This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Dark Timber Coffee is kind of a hunter-angler's or hook-and-bullet-focused coffee company. We wanted to create a company that gave back to the resource that we love so much. It's like every $10, $1 of that goes coffee. So spend 50 bucks, five bucks. Company, they're roasting these defective coffees and then they're brewing them and then dehydrating them. We understand this coffee. We know where this coffee wants to live in terms of its roast profile. So that means that we can get the best coffee possible from the best growers possible. And I look at it and I'm like, what is wrong with you people? You know what I mean? Like this is such a, this, such a powerful name, you know? Everybody was there. Nobody was born with six point rack in their hand. Like, everybody was there at some point in their life. This is Tony Burleson with Dark Timber Coffee, and you're listening to Living Country in the City, episode 28. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. Hey, y'all, welcome to episode 28 of Living Country in the City. Today on Living Country in the City, we are going to talk coffee. I was listening to an episode of the Shoot in the Bull podcast and recently learned about the guys from Dark Timber Coffee. Now, ever since I hopped on this keto diet and had to give up sugar and creamer, I've really been looking for some high-quality coffee to not only drink in the morning, but also take out into the backcountry. Well, after finding out these guys were hunters and supporters of some fantastic conservation organizations, I had to give them a try. And I'll tell you what, this coffee is hands down amazing. After I was able to pull my head out of my mug, I hit up Tony Burleson from Dark Timber to get him on the line. So, uh, Tony, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Man, thanks so much for having me. So, um, I always like to start with maybe just uh, a little bit of background, just about yourself and kind of your history with the outdoors and hunting. Yeah, so I've been uh, involved in the outdoors pretty much my entire life from you know growing up steelhead fishing and it, up here in the pacific northwest you know washington state uh hunting and fishing from an early age and uh yeah that's kind of been our lifestyle it's kind of what we do so just definitely been uh 
been living it for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, you know, life up here. <laughs> so now, uh, starting Dark Timber Coffee, I'm assuming you also have a bit of a background with coffee, too. This isn't just something, you weren't just sitting out in the woods someday and you suddenly thought, I'm going to start a coffee company for hunters. Like, I'm assuming no. you have a bit of a background, prior background with coffee as well. Maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I do. Uh, I've been in the coffee industry for pretty much 15 years, kind of involved in all aspects of it, from, you know, green coffee sourcing at Origin, um, creating coffee roasts for companies here locally, large companies here locally. You know, I started off when I was about 20 years old. I saved up all my money and bought my first espresso cart and just kind of grew it from there. Um, I opened up a few more locations after that in downtown Seattle, ended up selling them off and going to work for a larger company to kind of to kind of build and create their coffee program. And just recently, as of a few months ago, probably four months ago, we um, kind of separated and we started Dark Timber Coffee. Dark Timber Coffee is kind of a hunter-angler, sort of hook-and-bullet-focused coffee company. Um, that I like that term. I like that term, uh, hook-and-bullet-focused. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of catchy, right? I'm stealing that one uh, whenever I can at this yeah, point. Yeah, man, do it. All yours. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, Dark Timber. You know, you started getting into that. Um, one, the name is just kind of badass. I mean, yeah. it just... What's, what's funny about the name, though, is, like, I loved it, right? Like, I all about that name. I loved it so much, but it was like most of the people that I would be like, yeah, like they'd ask what names I was thinking of. And I'd be like, dark timber. That was one of the ones where like, eh, I don't know. Really? You know what I mean? Like nobody was really sold on it. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, and I don't I look know. At it, I'm like, what is wrong with you people? You know what I mean? Like this is such, this is such a powerful name, you know? It just like what it evokes for me is like that moment when you're, you're in the woods, it's, it's, Early in the morning, you're just in that thick brush that you can barely see through. Right. Like I'm, I'm picturing the fog. You know, it's, it's, it's dawn. The sun's not up yet. The you just you can smell like I can smell the the dirt when I hear that name. You know, it's like right. it's just super. It evokes that just super rich, um, rich feeling. And it, yeah, yeah. I, the second I heard that name, I was super digging it. I was like, that name is. Perfect perfect right yeah you know i kind of kind of came up with it uh elk hunting last year in idaho and just sitting there and you know pretty much all the bulls uh as soon as the sun comes up they're gonna go hit that you know at least where i hunt they go to the bottoms right these super dark old growth stands that's just this super dark timber you know it's super light outside right super sunny not a cloud in the sky but you go in there and it's like just dark right <laughs> and it's just sitting there and uh you know we're still in the process of trying to come up with a name right and it just hit me right there as i'm listening to this six point go nuts <laughs> well man i i personally think you just hit the nail on the head it just it really is and it ties in so well with the the group of people you're really trying to reach out to it just right. 
evokes it it really evokes a feeling just the name itself which i think is is a difficult thing to do yeah it can like transport people back you know or you know what i mean it's it's pretty cool you know well you know in coffee it's like a lot of the time when you're drinking you know i mean yeah we're both we're both from kind of the center of the city right now uh and so often, you know, we're not always drinking our coffee in that nice, relaxed moment, but it's, you know, we're sometimes on the rush with it in a travel mug. But generally coffee, I feel like that coffee in the morning is that that reflective time. It's that, you know, that kind of very introverted uh, personal time in the morning for me when right. I can make it that. And and that's the same, one of those same things, like when you're out in the woods, it 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 right. immediately transports you back there. Um, that's, that's, I couldn't agree more, man. Um, so kind of what, what made you want to start this? What was your inspiration for starting your own company, but then, uh, starting one focused on hunters and anglers, the hook and bullet. Yeah. So, uh, like I touched on before, like I, you know, I had uh, been a part of sort of a larger company and that sort of that larger corporation, um sort of deal and it just wasn't for me anymore right it didn't line up with my ideals my values what i was interested in and what i felt like a company should be giving back to right Mm -hmm. Um, so you know dark timber was started to sort of cater to again like that hook and bullet crowd sort of you know the hunter, the backcountry uh, hiker, the backcountry angler with, you know, an ingredient of, of conservation. So we wanted to create a company that gave back to the resource that we love so much, right? Uh, it gave back in terms of, you know, dollars to help protect public lands and public wildlife. You know, that's, that's huge for us because we are 100% DIY public land hunters and we want to make sure that we're doing as much as we can to help protect that right so my daughter has the has the opportunity to do the same things that i love and i can pass on that to her so that's one of the main focus uh for starting you know dark timber coffee and being sort of in that sort of group i love that i mean it's you know that's one thing when when people talk about the DIY public land hunter that speaks a lot to me because you know I'm always traveling for you know I pretty much yeah it's impossible to get tags here in California for Right. I mean you guys can get blacktail tags, right? Yeah. I'm I'm kind of interested in those. We can get, you know, we can get we have some awesome deer tags and there's great opportunities for bear, deer and pig here. Um Right. But you want to do anything bigger, you know, you want to chase some elk. It's it's tough. I mean, we, and yeah. I was just talking about it this morning. Uh, I was doing an Instagram live stream, and I was kind of rambling on about the tule elk we have here in California. And those things are cool. Those things are really, really cool. Uh, you know, it's it, yeah. our own subspecies of elk that's nowhere else. But, uh, you know, trying to get a tag for anything like that is just, you know, it's difficult enough just because we're in California. But then uh, there's so many people that here that don't want to have to travel and so it gets it's definitely a unless you're max points you're pretty much out of luck right and what is max point for something like that oh gosh i don't even know um 
It's got to be like right here in Washington. You know, we're running twenty points. I think max on some of our stuff. I re- you know, I remember it, I was, it was a lot. You know, I feel like I was talking to someone recently who said they didn't get a tag this year and they had at least thirteen points. Okay, uh, it was either thirteen or seventeen that they said they had and they didn't draw a tag. So I'm assuming it's got to be up there around twenty as well, and then. Wow! For the tule elk, uh, and that's because we have we have all three, we have all three species of elk here, subspecies of elk here in California. We have Roosevelt's, we have Rockies, and we have tule. Um, you know, it just depends on where you go, but the Roosevelt's and Rocky are tough to get. Right, majority of those are in the the northern portion portion, right? Like yep, ro- the Rosies on the border of Oregon, and then over to the east, you know, we got the Rockies. Yeah, got some Rockies. And, uh, yeah, and so the, getting the Rosies and Rockies is, is tough, but uh, the Thule, it's like there's a few hunts you can put in for, and then they do kind of a – it's like a fundraising hunt. You can buy as many entries as you want, and it's a drawing kind of a thing. But it's just – it's one of those things. It's a once-in-a-lifetime hunt. And right. To be honest, I'm, I would say there's certain things I'm really glad I, that I put in for that I'm really glad I didn't get this year. Because if I'd gotten that Thule hunt, if I'd gotten some of these really cool hunts I put in for this year, without as quite as much experience under my belt as I'd like, I I would have been really nervous. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> um, but you know, we're uh, like I was saying, it's when when you talk about wanting to give back to uh, to these groups that support public lands, yep. that really speaks a lot to me, and I. Uh, I heard you guys, I think you're on the Shooting the Bull podcast, right? Yeah, we were. Yeah, I was. So. Yeah, you were. Uh, that's, you know, that's where I first heard about you guys. And they were kind of talking about how you how you do give back. And I'll, I'll let you go into that a little bit more. But that was, honestly, the second I heard that, I was sold. I really was sold. Yeah. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about specifically how you guys give back? Yeah, so the way we give back is... Uh... We give back 10% of every sale to uh, a list of conservation organizations that are at kind of the forefront of, you know, the issues that we think are most paramount right now. And that's mainly the public land issues. And we do that through our website. So when you buy something from us, there'll be a drop-down menu. And on that drop-down menu will be three organizations where you can choose where your 10% of that sale goes to. So whether it's uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, the Teddy Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, or Wild Steelhead Coalition, uh, you get to choose where that money goes. And we, we do our sort of payouts uh, quarterly, right? So every quarter we'll kind of tally everything up, and then we'll distribute that money to them. And, you know, that number right there, that 10%, that is no joke. That's not... It's huge. Yeah, it's big, you know, and I'll be honest, you know, when we tally stuff up, like we're getting ready to do our first quarter payout, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a big chunk, but we wanted to make sure that we weren't doing this for like a, like a marketing ploy, right? So you see, uh, you know, other, and, and everything, everything's great, right? I'm, I'm not dogging anything. Everything's great. Uh, you know, 1% of sales, everything helps, but we wanted to make sure that we were trying, you know, making a difference, right? We wanted to make an impact. Right when a company as small as ours, one uh, percent of our sales probably wouldn't amount to anything, right? Mm-hmm. So we wanted to make sure that we were creating a number 
and that was large enough to make that impact that we wanted, but also not too large where it made it hard for us to operate. Yeah, I mean, it, there's no, you know, it's 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 all well and good to give a ton of money to these conservation organizations, but it doesn't do a lot of good if you can only do it once and then you're out of business. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. So definitely, you know, you, you take a hard look at the economics of that. And hopefully we can keep that number, right, moving forward into the future. But, yeah, yeah, we're, we're happy to do it. That's great. You know, I, I mean, a lot of a lot of companies, like like you said, you know, not dogging on anyone that gives their two percent, their three percent, whatever that may be. Right. And it's, yeah, everything helps. You know, everything helps. But it just it blew me away when I heard that number. I was, I was like, dang, that's like, that's a that's a real feel good number right there. When you're making a purchase, you're like, it's it's one of yeah. those things where you can look at that and you can. Like I kind of, you just mentally do the math right away and you're like, that's, you know, that's five bucks right there or that's, you know, two bucks or. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I you know, like every $10, $1 of that goes conservation. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the way it works for us. So if you spend 50 bucks, five bucks go. And with the way I've been drinking coffee lately, I'm, I'm doing a huge part for conservation. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. That's exactly it. You know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, uh, it's just a buck, right? But it's not like something that's built in where it's like, hey, donate a do- an extra dollar. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll, we'll take that out of our end, you know? I And that's that's the other thing that I, I thought was really impressive. It's not, yeah, it's not an additional, hey, would you like to add on to your purchase to uh, for this donation? It, mm-hmm. It's coming from you guys. Right. It's like, okay. You know, by purchasing from us, yeah, you're helping with conservation, but this isn't extra money, you know, coming coming off of the consumer. This is this is coming from you guys. So it's just it's additional money that because I feel like a lot of the times when you see that stuff, uh, when it's like, oh, you know, round up for conservation or or add an extra dollar, mm-hmm. that little bit of feel good almost keeps people from donating or doing putting their efforts elsewhere. Um Right. versus when it's when it's coming out of your guys's end for me you know i'll still i'll still go do my other uh my other stuff i'll you know get my memberships put in my donations whatever it is right as you should right yeah just because i know it's like it's a weird it's a weird mental thing you know it's like i know it's not coming out of my cut <laughs> so mm-hmm. so i'm willing i'm still willing to go otherwise well a lot of times a lot of times you'll see companies that do uh have a model similar to mine it's ours and their prices are just crazy you know what i mean like so they're definitely yeah they build it in right yep. so like right now if you look at our prices i mean they're they're not crazy at all so you know that it's not built into our price but you know like some companies will be in that you know like the 16 to 17 dollars a bag you know what i mean so they're making sure that they're they're getting what they want out of of their product and then you know yeah, definitely. They're uh, they're they're building that into the price rather than it actually just exactly. Yeah, they build it. They build it right into the price. So. Yeah, you know, and and speaking of that, you know, with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Your guys' prices are super reasonable. Um, yep. Let's talk about the products for a little bit. There's, yeah. Right now, you know, you kind of have your two main bodies of products, if you will. You have the uh, the coffee itself, just the you can buy bags of, bags of coffee. Uh-huh. But then um, there's the really, the cool feature that also kind of originally drew me to you guys is the Ascent Packs. Yeah, our backcountry coffee packs, yeah. So I've tried. I've tried the French press stuff. I've tried, you know, like the little Jetboil French press, which never has worked for me correctly. I have not gotten that right. thing to work correctly once. I've tried. Pretty I, much a consensus with those things, and I've tried them too, and they're great, right? They're, they're a great option for the backcountry, um, you know, for guys that don't want to do serve a single-serve pack like, you know, like our, our, our scent pack. Uh, they work really well. They just, you know, it's, it's sometimes the ground get by the gap. Sometimes that's being very generous. Uh, right, right. <laughs> Right. I will give you one little hack with that thing, though. So our ascent packs, you can use that thing with our ascent packs, right? You can slam them down just like you're making a French press. A lot of, like, our friends and our customers do that. I thought about that um, just because I love that. I love that. I, I, I don't even know what to call it, but the 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 film, not a film. The film makes it sound gross. But you know that that just extra dark little bit you always get at the bottom of your cup when you pour from the French the sediment. Press. The sediment. That's there we go. That's the right word. That's the that's like the best part of of French press coffee. And Dude, it, it really is. That's like that's where all that body comes from in the coffee. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's got that sort of that depth to it, you know? Um all that extra sediment that's in that coffee. And when I'm making or drinking French press coffee, even the scent packs will do it. I keep like kind of swirl in my cup or whatever like a yep. like a wine glass right to keep those sediments kind of elevated in the water or elevated in coffee so i make sure that i'm drinking this right instead of letting oh, it settle yeah, to the bottom that's the total money part right there i was yeah. it was funny when i first started drinking coffee and you know we'll get in i will definitely get into this you know i i was not drinking good coffee and when i first started french pressing like i drink that i'd kind of get that sediment and i'd I'd want it to settle because I wouldn't want to drink it because it was just, right. it was gross and it <laughs> interfered with the taste of the creamer and sugar I was pouring into my coffee. Right. Um, right. But yeah, so, I mean, I've tried, I've tried kind of all the different camping coffee, you know, I've, I've tried it all. I've tried the instant coffee and it just tastes like burnt, you know, hair. Yeah. And that stuff's rough, man. I mean, it really is rough stuff. Even buying like the top shelf, whatever, I it just tastes gross to me, and I would. Yeah, you have... can't. You can't. I mean, they're like, like the word, like the very top shelf and instant don't go together. Yeah, it's just not a. They, they do not go hand in hand. You cannot have. I mean, you could have the best of right instant. Mm-hmm. I guess that would be considered like the top shelf of instant, but instant in itself, it can never be good. Yeah. Well, it got to the point where I was having to, I was making my own for camping, where I'd I'd like get a little little teeny snack baggie, and I'd I'd mm-hmm. put in the instant coffee, but then I'd just pour in a bunch of powdered creamer and sugar, so I wouldn't, you know, so I wouldn't taste the actual yeah. coffee. Yeah, 
but these ascent packs are and to be completely honest i'm surprised it took someone so long to come out with this product um right it they're they're absolutely brilliant why don't why don't you talk about the ascent packs a little bit yeah so the ascent pack is our sort of single serve sort of uh coffee for the backcountry like so if you don't want to bring in all the the tools that you would need to create or to brew um sort of French press coffee or arrow press coffee or whatever in the backcountry, the Ascent Pack is the, sort of like the best option. And what it is, it's sort of like a, similar to like a French press, right? So you have full immersion coffee. It's encapsulated in a proprietary filter that we came up with that's a, sort of a, a grid waffle design. So it lets out the right amount of sediment uh, into the coffee. So you get that sort of French press mouthfeel to it. French the French press cup profile, right? Mm-hmm. Super easy. Uh, it takes about 3.5 minutes to four minutes before it's, you know, good to drink. We just keep them in our cup. We never take them out, right? You can take it out if you want. We like to leave them in there. Uh, similar to like the grounds in the bottom of your French press. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't get rid of those. Um, so we, we like to keep them in there. Um, but it's, it's a great option and it's not freeze dried. It's not blast furnace instant coffee where they're buying you know, they're buying the bottom of the bottom in terms of quality, right? These companies and they're, and they're roasting these defective coffees and then they're brewing them and then dehydrating it. Yeah. This is all specialty grade coffee. This is, this stuff is, is top notch coffee. Uh, you know, it's tough to find better in a single serve application. You know, and I, I love these ascent packs because I, I typically buy, I've I've picked up both. I picked up uh, both blends of your scent packs, and I picked up a bag of whole bean coffee. Yeah, the, the additional bag. Yep, yep. <laughs> we had. Uh, I was sitting there, and I, I I put in my order for the ascent packs, and then uh, I I looked in the freezer, and I'm like, crap, I'm I'm almost out of whole beans. Right. And I'm like, I, I want I want to get I want to get uh, some good coffee. And so I put in the order, and I I just I remember hitting you up on Instagram. That's kind of when we started talking. I'm like, help! I need my coffee now. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. Uh, That's so awesome. But uh, you know, so normally I do the the whole beans, and it's like my kind of zen moment in the morning, like we were talking about earlier. I love yeah, I love to hand grind it myself. You know, I've got the little hand grinder that I can adjust to if uh-huh. I'm using my French press. That's awesome, man. And it's great, but the problem is those days I sleep through my alarm or I'm just running late. I can't always do that. And I'll admit, I love being able to just grab an ascent pack, throw it in the, you know, boil some water, pour it in a travel mug, throw in the ascent pack and go. And by the time I'm sitting on the Metro, I'm chugging down fresh brewed coffee. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. And the great thing is, you know, I uh I recently started a new diet. I'm 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 doing a ketogenic diet now, so I've had to give up a lot of stuff like sugar mm-hmm. and you know coffee mate sugary coffee mate French right. vanilla and French vanilla. Just say that. Man, that and the hazelnut. I would alternate. Um, but I had to give that up, and right. I I started doing bulletproof coffee, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. It makes this really rich coffee with the the cream and the butter. But it doesn't, unless you're using like really heavily salted butter or anything, it doesn't really alter the flavor of the coffee, 
Um, so when no. you're doing that with crappy coffee, it still kind of tastes crappy. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's one of those things that's like you know you you can't really get like like or do like bad in and get good out, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a it's kind of a good in good out deal with coffee. So now you were talking about you were saying you know the, the dark timber coffee. This is not bottom of the barrel coffee. You know you've been doing this no. for 15 years. Yep. You know coffee. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about uh, what what differentiates dark timber. What makes like I said, I know nothing about actual what makes a good coffee versus a bad coffee, other than when I smell it and taste it and be like, oh, glory, hallelujah. Um, right. You know, what had, uh, tell me a little bit just about the coffee itself. Yeah. So Dark Timber, we source only the best coffees that we can get our hands on. So these aren't like, uh, like price focused coffees, right? Like some like companies are like, oh, we got to stay in this sort of price range for pound, right? Okay. We'll kind of pay whatever's needed to get the coffee. So that means that we can get the best coffee possible from the best growers possible. So uh, we source only the best green coffees we can, and we pay whatever we can for them. So that means that we're the coffees that we're roasting and, and, and offering are the best of the best uh, beyond something more like a, like a cup of excellence, which would make it unapproachable for people to buy at like 30 bucks a pound. But uh, yeah, it, it gets pretty, pretty high up there. <laughs> um, so beyond sourcing um, the best coffee that we can from the best growers that we can, we roast it very well. All right. So we really know how to roast coffee. We know how to develop coffee uh, in a roasting application. Uh, we're not just now figuring it out. Right. So we've been doing it a long time. So, you know, going back to that sort of good in, good out. So we take the best green coffee we can, roast it extremely well, right? We understand this coffee. We know where this coffee wants to live in terms of its roast profile, right? We're not just going to take some really good coffee and roast it to heck. So it's this dark, oily coffee where you're not going to taste the subtle nuances of the coffee, right? You're just going to taste that smoky sort of carbony flavor. Mm -hmm. So we're developing these coffees in terms of their flavor. So the end product is extremely good. So have you considered it all? I know you talk about uh, very specifically roasting and doing this. Have you considered it all uh, carrying and selling just green coffee as well for people to roast on their own if they, uh, if they wanted to do that? You know, if, if somebody wanted to do that, they could, they could get a hold of me. I don't, you know, there's a company called Sweet Maria's and you might have, sort of research them they're local to you actually okay i think they're in oakland they they do that so and they would probably be the better one to do that um sort of buy that green coffee but if somebody wanted to buy a little bit of green coffee or whatever we could we could definitely you know hook them up you know but i I don't i don't think that would be something we would offer on our website Mm -hmm. right now at least right now that's one thing I think I have heard of Sweet Maria's. My uh, my brother in law and my mom actually used to. Uh, I don't know if they still do it, but that was their big thing for a while. They they each bought you know different coffee roasters and and would buy you know uh, have green coffee shipped in, and that was like yeah. their thing. They would, I, I swear every time I would go up to visit, that's all they were talking about for uh, 
for a period of a few months was the different coffees they were ordering in and how they were roasting them. And I mean, both, both houses smelled incredible for the entire time I right. was up there. Cause it yeah. was just, they were constantly, if they weren't grinding it they, or if they weren't roasting it, they were grinding it or whatever. It, there was always something going on, but, uh, I, you know, that kind of brings up though, you know, you mentioned, you know, calling you up and, and kind of putting in that custom order. That's another thing I really noticed on the site that that you guys offer that a lot of companies don't is super customization of what you need. So when I, I you know I order whole beans because I I enjoy grinding them by hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's part of my process. But you offer pretty much any kind of grind grind you want up on the website. And then if there's something super specific or special, I think you know you're talking about like. Uh, Turkish coffee or something, uh, right. even you can call call you up and be like, okay, I need it. At the, you know, at this specific grind for this specific purpose, and uh, you guys are willing to ship that out. Oh, of course, yeah, of course, yeah. If you need anything like uh, you know, like a percolator, and all these are like kind of in between each other, right? So you have an auto, an auto sort of gravity coffee, like automated coffee brewer, and you have a French press, right? So you have this percolator coffee that kind of lands right in the middle mm-hmm. on, on optimal particulate size, optimal grind size. Um, you know, we want to make sure that your coffee's perfect. So if you have something like that and that's not sort of offered on the drop down grind setting uh, selection, you can just email me or, or however you want to get a hold of me and we'll do it for you. No problem. Message you on Instagram last minute and beg you yeah. to send out uh, a bag oh, yeah, of coffee. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, that's you know that's one thing I feel like is is really cool. You guys have a great um, attention to detail and customer service. Uh, you know, you've been super responsive whenever I've I've needed to order something, and yeah. I'm about to. I mean, we... I was gonna say I'm about to put in. Uh, I'm I'm getting about uh, you know three quarters of the way down my current bag, and so I'm about to put in another <laughs> order. Um, All right. Repeat customer. Oh yeah, no, that's where I remember. So here's the thing: I remember when I got this this bag. You know, I I was kind of finishing off the last bag, and uh-huh. so it was uh it was a about a, a week, maybe a little bit less, before I actually opened the bag of Dark Timber. Oh yeah, and I remember opening that, and I the smell hit me, and I just oh my gosh, guys, whoever's listening, this coffee is just incredible it i mean it may sound like hyperbole whatever it is but it just the smell is so rich and it's like i could have sat there for a good five minutes i did sit there for like a, a minute or two and just kind of <laughs> smelled the coffee and enjoyed it um, yeah and then you know the whole time i'm grinding it you know that sense wafting up and yeah and i never in my life thought you know i could i could just drink black coffee and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, between, between doing the keto and the, the bulletproof coffee, and then just sometimes having to get out of the house, but wanting, wanting that cup to wake me up in the morning and kind of as part of my process, I, sometimes I just start I started drinking this coffee and I never thought I could drink black coffee before. And this stuff is fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And that's pretty indicative of like, like really nice coffee, right? So 
you know, you don't have those off flavors, right? Those kind of defective flavors or coffee that's roasted really dark. So it's like super almost bitter, right? You have all that carbon in there. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, our goal with coffee is to have coffee sort of taste how it smells. Yep. So you'll notice with our coffee, it smells really good and it's sweet and very aromatic. And then when you drink it, it's kind of the same, right? Yeah, you don't get a lot of change once it's in the cup. No, and like that's that's the kind of the goal, because you can get coffees that smell really good when they're ground up, and then you taste them, and it's like, oh, you know, you, you just got you got to put all that cream and sugar and, and everything in them. You know, with our coffees, they're they're going to taste very similar to how they smell. Now, here's the other thing as well. Um, I I've yet to try that. I've yet to give this a try. Typically, because I'm enjoying it too much and it's never gotten to the point where I've let the get coffee get cold. But, uh, I remember, I don't, I don't know if it was on the shoot in the bull podcast or if it's, you know, I think I've, I think it's been both that I've talked to people about it before a really good coffee. You should be, uh, if it goes cold, it still tastes good when you drink it. Is that, is that, that yeah, that's, that's exactly correct. Yeah. So with really high quality coffees, once those go cold, they should still be good. They're going to be, they're going to be a little bit less, in terms of depth on the flavor, but they'll still be good coffee. Mm-hmm. A lot of coffees that you'll see that are kind of varying or, or kind of uh, iffy in quality will be decent hot, right? They'll be, they'll be okay. Once they get cold, they're almost undrinkable. Yeah. That's when all those defective notes come out, you know, all the stuff you really don't want. I almost it's feel like it's, will come out when they get cold. It's, it's almost kind of like the complete inverse of beer. You know, you can drink just about any beer when it's like, ice cold and frosted over right you know you it it just it kind of covers the defective taste of it mm-hmm. but then the second it's it's just not super cold anymore like a, a really good beer i can sit and drink if it's you know if it's a little bit warmer like a good pint uh i have no problem drinking if it's not maybe not obviously completely warm on a hot day kind of warm but if it's not ice cold anymore but some of these beers and so I feel like it's kind of the complete inverse of that, uh, you know. Right. <laughs> oh, actually, you know what? Something uh, I almost forgot to ask you about. Um, so you guys have just finished up a competition to name your new roast. Yeah. You have a new roast we coming do. out. We have a new roast. We wanted, wanted to kind of, you know, we could have obviously named it ourselves, right? We could have come up with a name. Um, but we wanted to reach out to, uh, you know, our customers and our followers and, just kind of ask them, you know, what what they would want the blend to be named or if they had any ideas. So that that just ended last night, and I think you were the last one to get a submission. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I was looking at the time, and I I was like, okay, I'm going to get home from work, and I'm going to be – I'm going to think about it. I'm going to, like – I'm going to do some research, and I'm going to come up with, like, a, a couple <laughs> of really good names – yeah, you came up with some good ones. I was su- I I have to admit, I'm pretty dang proud of my name. Um so uh so when uh when do you guys think you're going to uh be selecting names? Uh when's the roast expected to come out? All of that good stuff. So the roast will come out in August. I think that we had like between Facebook and Instagram, we had over I think 115 entries or something. And just a couple to go through. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of those are like, you know, there are like three names in each one. So we're looking at like, you know, a couple hundred entries in terms of names to sift through. Uh, I, I was kind of laughing that, that some of the guys that entered, they would just drop 
like every every word that had to do with hunting or the outdoors that they could possibly think of that kind of sounded cool. <laughs> right. And that, I mean, like, that's great. Like that's how, I mean, that's how you come up with names, right? Oh yeah. It's like a brainstorming spitballing kind yeah, of activity. It really is. It's like a panel. Mm-hmm. So that's great that they do stuff like that. You know what I mean? Cause I mean, that's how you come up with names. Uh, but there is in some of those entries a lot in one, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Some of those guys are like, you know, 10, per submission <laughs> so, but uh we'll probably pick a winner here next week um and there's a few that stuck out right away but definitely definitely going to go through all of them and make sure that we're we're choosing the one that fits the blend the best and that conveys what we're trying to convey with the coffee and, and you know it's conveying what we are as a company as well right yeah yeah um, I'm, you know, I'm just saying my entry was pretty dang good throwing it out. I there. know it, it was good. It, it, it's going to be right up there on the list with everybody else. <laughs> oh man. But, uh, yeah, I even saw the, uh, that, uh, TCRP threw in their own, uh, their own submission. Yeah. Yeah, they did. That's awesome. You know, that company, that, not company, the organization is full of such great people. I mean, I can't say enough about those guys. And, you know, if, if your listeners out there, you know, if they aren't members of the TRCP, I would TRCP. encourage... TRCP. I think I got that backwards. The Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. Yeah. Okay. I got. Yeah. I just got to learn how to spell, I think, is what it is. Right. It's kind of a tongue, a tongue twister in a little bit. It's kind of a mouthful. You know, I've definitely <laughs> messed up, you know, saying it a few times. But like I said, it's such a great organization, and, and your listeners should really really become members uh, if, if they aren't already, along with the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, BHA. They should become members of that as well and Wild Good Coalition, um, especially for you guys in, in California, Oregon, Washington, you know, um, you know, steelheading is a big part of life. That's one I'm definitely going to have to check out. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm familiar with uh, Teddy Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. I'm super familiar with Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. I've, I've been been super involved with them uh but i i've actually until i started ordering from you guys i'd never heard of the the wild steelhead foundation um, yeah the wild steelhead coalition or coalition uh, was started over 10 years now longer than that by a group of anglers here in washington one of them is a good friend of mine and uh they take on issues in terms of habitat, um, restoration, um, you know, right now there's a sort of a, a, no, I wouldn't call it, I mean, there's an issue with hatchery fish, right? So they're trying to get rid of the hatchery wild billhead, you know, sort of gene mixing right now. Okay. Um, but they focus a lot on like, you know, Washington, Oregon, that kind of that whole, that whole sort of West coast region there. Um, protecting habitat right and just looking out for steelhead you know like like the steelhead is washington state fish and it's and it's it's in the dumps right it's it's you know a lot of these runs especially in the puget sound or esa listed uh they're on the list uh, as being endangered and and some of these runs uh are functionally extinct right once once very robust um flourishing runs of of steelhead are now 
functionally extinct, meaning that there are some, but there's so few that they're going to mark them as not, not even around. That's crazy. Which is really sad. And I've seen a lot of this in my lifetime uh, go downhill. And in my dad's lifetime, he's pretty much seen it all go, right, which is really sad. That's, a, that's a, just a blip of time to have historical runs like the Skagit, right? World-class run, gone. You know, well, and it's crazy to think, you know, you, you know, you think about uh, habitat and and animals, you know, going extinct, basically, and you think big stuff, you know, you think buffalo and elk and all, you know, these these large scale animals, even birds to a lesser extent, but yeah, you don't think fish, you know, you and people tend to kind of think like, you know, fish are there. There's plenty of them. They'll always be there. Nothing's going to really affect them. You know, it's not that big of a thing. But it's we need to remember that fish are as uh, important and as at risk as any other animal at any given time. And they, yeah, they are. And it's it's difficult with fish because, like, say you're looking at like like an animal, you can go and like observe that animal in its habitat, where the fish you got to go underwater. So you don't like really know what's going on down there. Right. A lot of, a lot of the information out there is, is kind of guessing, especially on like ocean conditions and things like that. So it's tough. Uh, it's tough on a managing standpoint. So, yeah. But alrighty. Um, so I always like to end with possibly, you know, the podcast is geared towards, new hunters, people from the city, kind of like us that are into the outdoor lifestyle, uh, but may feel a little intimidated to start hunting or really get into fishing, all of this. What, uh, what words of encouragement or advice would you give the new hunter or kind of the city outdoorsman? That to just get out there. So, you know, it's, it's, it may seem uh, a little intimidating to kind of jump in feet first into that uh, sport, right, of hunting, but just just get out there and start doing it, you know, whatever you can. If it's, if it's just, you know, getting out in the woods and understanding animals or, or whatever, man, just, just go do it, right? Don't feel intimidated that you're not the best or, or you don't have the best gear or whatever. Just, just go and do it, you know? Well, I think you got to keep that tradition alive. I think, I think we're so afraid to fail when we go out that it, uh, it stops us from going out at all. Like you know, well, yeah. I mean, if they, they like they look online, right? Especially Instagram, and, and these guys have the best gear, and they're killing these huge animals, and you know, all that stuff. It can be very intimidating to the new hunter, right? They can, they're not going to want to reach out to people because they don't want to look or sound um, like they don't know what they're talking about, right? And, that, and that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt you. Or that's going to hurt them because they're not going to progress, right? If they're not at, like, asking those questions and getting out there and doing that because they feel like, like, like they're going to look like a, like a noob or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's one, one thing I told myself is I have to make sure I'm totally fine with looking like a complete newbie that doesn't have any idea what he's doing because otherwise everybody was there nobody was born with six point rack in their hand you know what i mean (laughs) like everybody was there at that at some point in their life whether it you know it was you know they started at a young age so you know that learning curve 
you know, wasn't super long or they're starting later on in life where it's going to take them a little bit longer to kind of figure things out if they didn't grow up in a hunting, a hunting family, right? So, but everybody starts at the same point. Well, you know, and it's, it's just so ironic trying to like, and I know I was there, like it, I felt those feelings to where it's like the fear of failure, the fear of, of looking like I'm, don't know what I'm doing almost kept me from doing it in the first place. So it's, you know, this fear of possibly failing is guaranteeing that I'm going to fail because I'm not going out in the first place. But exactly, exactly. When you, I mean, that's, that's big. when you realize you're just kind of, you just need to go out and, and do it and you're going to fail sometimes. Sometimes you're going to get lucky. Uh, and then sometimes it you're going to succeed just by the skin of your teeth because you busted your butt. Um, you just got to get out one way or the other and, and learn. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, try to find mentors and things, you know, somebody that can help you in the right direction. Just bounce some questions off, you know, that's why I love doing this podcast is, you know, I kind of, I kind of have my mentor. He's, you know, a guy I work with. He's really led me in the right direction on a lot of things. He's the first guy I go to when I have questions about stuff. But then, you know, I've out of all of this, I've managed to score for whatever subject I'm talking about, you know, a good 25 separate mentors for a good hour. And I get to learn from these people. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, you're gleaning a lot of it. That's awesome. Man, I love picking it up. You know, got my selfish reasons for doing the podcast. Uh, I'll, I'm not not too shy to admit it. But anyway, Tony, thank you so much again for uh, hopping on, talking about Dark Timber. Uh, I am excited to put in an, another order right now. Um, awesome. I am definitely looking forward to enjoying that. And uh, you know, thanks for uh, sitting, talking, hunting with us for a while. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I really, really enjoyed this. It really did. And we'll... uh such a great, a great show. <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, man. All right, y'all. That'll do it for episode 28 of Living Country in the City. Make sure you head on over and give Dark Timber a try. You can find all those links on our show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 28. Now, I'll say it again. This coffee is amazing, and the Ascent Packs are not only perfect for the backcountry, but perfect for that day when you're scrambling out the door with no time to spare. I'd highly recommend you give them a go. And also, if you're enjoying the podcast, don't just check it out on the website each week, but search for Living Country in the City on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. Additionally, if you could take a quick moment to leave an honest rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher, it really helps the podcast grow and helps me continue to bring on fantastic guests for y'all to learn from and about. Thanks, y'all. And until next time, keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. And uh, really quick, Tony, are you a are you a hunter yourself? Yeah, I'm a big time hunter, man. Cool. Yeah, I just I just wanted to double check before I I asked the question, so it didn't turn into something weird. That's <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yeah, I killed a rabbit once. Yeah. Oh, I felt really guilty afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I buried it. I didn't eat it. I mean, I, I still cry. I, I can't finish <laughs> this podcast.